There's a cry across the heartland, a yearning for the days gone by. And in little old Corden, Indiana, they're happy and they'll tell you why. They got butt drugs, they love butt drugs, butt drugs, butt drugs. I recommend butt drugs for everybody. I can always count on butt drugs. When I think drugs, I think butt drugs. For all my health needs, I turn to butt drugs. You want hometown service and cheap hot coffee and liquor. Now that's the ticket. You can tell Walmart, CVS, and Walgreens exactly where to stick it. But Bubba Butt Drugs. We love butt drugs. Butt drugs won't let you down. Free parking in the rear. I love butt drugs. Get ready! Woo! We are on tour and we're doing it better than anybody else alive! This is the Cutline Podcast with your host, Michael Cavalunis. It's party time. TPC Scottsdale, the stadium course, the most fun tournament to visit. The P-A-R-T-Y? Because I gotta. Place where the beer flows like wine. This is the Waste Management Open DFS preview show, gambling show, and the cut line's going to deliver one that is inspiring. A show that insists, nay, demands your uninterrupted, undivided attention. This show will undoubtedly bring you... Gotcha. Hello, Canada. Hello, USA. Hello, Australia. Hello, UK, Spain, Austria. New Zealand, Germany, Sweden, the East Coast, the West Coast, the Midwest. You name the place and the cut line is there. Listeners in Fairfield, Maple Grove, Toronto, Ashburton, West Hartford, Rockville, Riverhead, Newberry Park, El Dorado Hills, LaGrange, Wald Lake, Thame, all over the place. Now, if you're a returning listener, welcome back. But if you're new to the cut line... You stupid, ignorant, son of a bitch, dumb bastard! Jesus Christ, I've met some dumb bastards in my time, but you outdo them all. Get over there! Where you been? Where have you been? The Cutline would like to congratulate Stag High School for being the bowling regional champions. Keep on marking those X's. 300 games, whatever you gotta do to keep rolling downstate. All right, let's keep moving on. Let's break this down. The cut line is brought to you by Fan Share Sports Elite Golf Content Elite Analysis. Ownership that's second to none in the industry. If you're not a part of Fan Share Sports, very easy fix. Go to fansharesports.com. In your discount code option, write the word cut line and you'll receive 20% off your monthly membership. Remember, ownership is not a leverage to be belittled. 
I'm Mike Kevlunas at Lunas on Twitter. Cash, cash, money is what I'm saying. Since the new year, we're po- positive ROI everywhere, including the book, including DraftKings, including our GBPs. Uh, showdowns? Maybe. Maybe. I'm not sure. I'd have to go back and look. But nothing better than coming through last weekend and min caching. That's everyone's favorite, but so what? It was a pro-am. We were motivated. We were excited, but we all know what happens at those funny little crappy things. So we'll go to the good, bad, and the ugly of that pro-am. First of all, the good. It was nice to see Jordan Spieth back. It was nice to see him play some golf, see him almost fall down a cliff, which probably wasn't that good. But, God, what you got some stones to take that shot. That is some stones. Everything that's running through his head, and he hit it long, too. So uh, that was crazy. Jordan Spieth, God damn, you got it, man. You got it. All right. The bad. The bad for me had to be Cameron Tringale. And I almost made that the ugly, but I can't do it. But Cameron Tringale was the bad. I you know what? The shoe finally dropped. I talked about being weary of playing him every week. I went all in on him in terms of just like doubling, tripling the field in ownership. But somehow, you know, we had enough pieces elsewhere to cash. But oh my goodness, Cameron, what were you doing last weekend? And of course, the ugly. Ugly this week. Our outright was Joel Dahman, who didn't show up this Sunday. I like money. Come on, Joel. Be better. Be better. We love you, Joel. We love your game. So catch you next time. The Cutline is here to bring you in-depth DraftKings analysis of the Waste Management Phoenix Hopin, and we're going to do the best we can. <laughs> I like these guys. They're funny guys. Just kill one of them. To make sure that you're cashing big on Sunday, we'll be sure to bring in tiny wax, inside sand traps, and a putt that might drop in through the back door. And now the goal of the cut line is to make sure that you're creating winning lineups, cashing lineups, smashing lineups, lineups that are kicking ass and taking names and scoring big with everyone's favorite six of six golfers through the cut line, which is a traditional cut line this weekend. Woo! Woo! All right. Need to tell you guys about golf goons. Golf goons is the future of NFTs. It's the future of crypto. You got to get involved now. Now, it's still early. Get some goons, get some ownership, get some stake in these tournaments, more than just some DFS lineup that for most of you is just a shot in the dark at winning. You can buy NFTs that pay you out with tournament winners. They pay you out. You like John Rahm, buy John Rahm. You like Justin Thomas, get Justin Thomas on a Sunday. You get paid out in cryptocurrency, which guess what, guys? You can turn into real cash. It's not some fake Money that is not realized by banks and credit and everything like that nature. Take advantage, Golf Goons. Go to at the Golf Goons on Twitter. Join the Discord. All the information's there. Sign up. Get on OpenSea. Get your Coinbase wallet rolling. It's ready to roll. All right. So this week's PGA Tour, the golf takes us to the Waste Management Phoenix Open. It's one of the most fun events for players and fans alike. Record crowds and, of course, an ever-so-fun coliseum where the fear and the cheers can become friend or enemy. Bank on a hole-in-one at some point. There's plenty to like on this slate, plenty to love about this course, but nothing is more exciting than these finishing holes at TPC Scottsdale. So, we've got to look at the course report on CutlineGolf.com to really kind of find out what we're looking at this weekend. The course report at TPC Scottsdale can be found on CutlineGolf.com. Simply go to the course report. All your information is there that we're about to go over. 
Detailed analysis, approach shot, distribution, nuggets and tidbits, weather forecast, it's all there, past winners, of course, key stats that I'm looking at for this weekend. So, but let's start it off. We are looking at TPC Scottsdale. California swings over. Also ending is the fun for some and not so great for others. Pro-ams, which I'm anxious is the end. PGA Tours returns to its traditional format. One course, a round two cut line. Let's break it down. It's a desert track that plays at an altitude that could affect ball flight, distance, and spin, and the cold desert nights create one of the rarest events we see on the PGA Tour, where the afternoon wave benefits thanks to drier, warmer conditions that are a breeding ground for scoring. Scottsdale challenges you with firm greens. Although they're larger than average, the greens do not necessarily allow players to drill a green and stick it on a landing spot. you got to roll it out. Take a trip to Data Golf and you'll see that TBC Scottsdale ranks as the third highest predictive course on tour. Augusta and Wiley are the only two that rank just ahead of it. Yet one unique aspect of this course is its correlation with other predictive tracks. I would look at success at TBC Sawgrass, Torrey Pines, and Quail Hollow to get a better grasp of the field. Certain years have created difficulty players off the tee. While distance, I believe, is mitigated due to the desert air, I'm going to value players that are strong off the tee regardless of their length. I'd rather have my picks and plays attacking these greens from short fairway grass rather than the rough, even though, as we have seen, the rough is not very long this weekend. Players that are finishing the top 20 are better gaining strokes off the tee, while the rest of the field tend to struggle. So the rough right now is non-existent, like I already mentioned, but it isn't going to be penal per se. But what it's going to do is create issues with spin on approach, which could lead out to longer rollouts or misjudged rollouts or more difficulty trying to score. If anyone mentions that these greens are Bermuda, dismiss them quickly as value device. The Bermuda grass has gone dormant at this time of year in Scottsdale, and the grass is overseeded with a rye poa mix, including a plethora of other grasses. Point being is that emphasizing Bermuda grass is going to create a model that lacks value if you're trying to smash the sportsbook or your GPP. The key to winning this tournament is elite ball striking, finding greens in regulation, and smashing with the short stick while the formula seems somewhat archaic. Maybe even simplified, it's the mainstay in terms of success here at TPC Scottsdale. Focusing on that 125, 150, 150 to 200 yards in approach gaps could be potential benefit when looking at recent form as well as course history. The green's firmness is where the course gets some teeth. You're going to have a massive rollout. If players don't know where to land these approach shots, they're going to place the ball in an ideal spot to score. Now, if you're going to play someone with no course history, do some research on who their caddy is this week. Players are switching up their bag man all the time just to gain an edge. The reason I mention this is that this could quite possibly be the first time where the no green book rule is going to play a factor if you don't have any course history. It'll be curious how the weather plays out. Early forecasts show a windy day Thursday, especially in the model, and the round three is going to have breezes up to 30 miles per hour. But other than that, you're really not seeing anything that's out of the norm for here in Arizona. This is without a doubt one of everyone's favorite tournaments on the PGA Tour, and the environment is different from every year that we see because we just see special moments from pre-tournament to post, right, to, to Sunday. you got to enjoy this show. Architect, Weisskopf. You got Bermuda dormant grass greens overseed with Ryan Poa, 7,100 uh, square feet. So these are larger greens. And a steep meter that's just about average. 7,266 yards, six water hazards coming to play with 69 bunkers. Some nuggets and tidbits for you. The entire tournament is a fan's dream because it's simply one of the most unique tournaments on PGA Tour. Fans sprint to locations once TPC opens up its gates, so you have fun watching that. It's one of the rarest occurrences, like I mentioned before, where the afternoon has a big-time advantage 
to the morning tea times due to cold weather. Now, this isn't a typo. As cool as the desert Arizona nights create, it has less distance in the morning, far less rollout, and then you could have potential putting issues. Remember, there's a ton of Arizona residents here. We'll go over those a little bit later. Several players have won several, uh, multiple times in Scottsdale. This includes in the field, Brooks Kepka, Phil Mickelson, and Deki Matsuyama. Deki's the only, the second player in PGA history of this tournament to win back-to-back championships. He did that in 2016 and 2017. The only player to do that was Johnny Miller back in 74-75. So those are the only two. In the last six years, the winner was crowned after a playoff four times. Driving distance is much longer than tour average thanks to the dry desert air. We've said that a few times. Greens are easy to hit, but greens are massive, right? This is not plug and play like you see at something like Harbor Town or even TPC Summer Summerlin. Give a shout out quick to uh, House Money on Twitter. He, he kind of re reinforced this idea that TPC Summer, Summerlin is a terrible comp for this course because it was more of a, you know, you stick, you land it, you hit a spot. This is a rollout course. The greens play differently, and I think that's a massive, massive drastic change regardless of the fact that they're both desert tracks. And then finally, the average distance of par fours, par fives combined to like middle of the pack, thus creating a greater emphasis on par five scoring and par four bogey avoidance. Shot, uh, your approach shot distribution, most of your shots are coming from that 150 to 175 round, five-year average. About 24% past winners, Brooks Kepka, Webb Simpson, Ricky Fowler, yeah, baby, and Gary Woodland. Key stats that I'm looking at, strokes gain, tee to green, off the tee, uh, strokes gain and approach and ball striking, birdies gained, scrambling, approach shot distribution numbers, and of course your stroke gain, par five. Similar courses, Torrey Pines, Silverado, Sawgrass, the Summit Club, and Quail Hollow. But the question is, who are we going to play this weekend? Two putts from victory. Only needs one. Ooh, got a member's bounce there, boys. That's birdie all day long. This is the Cut Lines Birdie or Better segment brought to you by Pix Empire. Pix Empire is providing the best, most consistent picks for your sportsbook and sportsbook plays. You want to hit a parlay? You want to hit that huge five-teamer, six-teamer, eight-teamer, ten-teamer parlay? Woo! Yohan Sports God at Picks Umpire has it for you. Follow him at Yohan Sports God on Twitter. Click the link to his website. Sign up. Get his picks. Get his plays. He's been crushing. He's been crushing lately. Went 7-0 the other night. Dominated last night's slate with a 7-2 record. He is nailing NCAA basketball, crushing NHL, was dominating NFL, NBA, not touching it. Why would you? All right. He's just killing it. So those of you guys looking for some information, help, picks, plays, you want Sports God, follow him on Twitter, go to his website, sign up for all his information, ideal stuff, kick-ass stuff. So we're going to break down the Waste Management Phoenix Open, and we're going to start, first of all, with Arizona residents. I just want you guys to know this. I think I've curated and gathered every single player that lives in Arizona currently that's a resident. So here's their names. John Rahm, Tony Finau, Max Homa, Putnam, Damon, Pat Perez, Kevin Streelman, Matt Jones, Martin Laird, Ches Reeby, Nate Lashley, Wyndham Clark, James Hahn, Brandon Haggy. Preston Summerhays, and Craig Hocknell, okay? These are your Arizona residents. Now, their course history here, 
Some are great, some are bad, some fit the mold of this course. Um, you know, Joel Dahman's played here twice, he's missed the cut. Uh, Pat Perez played here last year, he missed it, withdrew in 2017. You know, John Rahm has impeccable course history. So there's a lot to be said about necessarily being an Arizona resident, but if you are going to follow that, re- that narrative, that's it. Those are your guys. I think I got them all. I think I got them all. Remember, I collect that data all manually, so it takes a while. But I'm pretty sure that is it. So we're going to start in this top tier from eleven, the 11K John Rahm, 11.6, down to Victor Hovland at $10,000. The, the first four, Cantlay, Rahm, Thomas, and Matsuyama. What do you really have to say about these guys? Like, like, like what flaw in their game do you think warrants a complete fade of playing them here i i could see the point of cantley right he's never had experience here um justin thomas missed a cut in 2017 but since then has averaged a top 10 finishing position right we talked about the success that decky had here back-to-back championships in 2017 2016 um you know withdrew in 2018 but followed that up with two top 20s last year you know call it a hiccup he was 42nd 42nd overall. So there's a lot to be said about this top tier. John Rahm's one of the best players in the world. Why why wouldn't you roster him? Why wouldn't you play him? Okay. I'm not going to advise fading these guys. What I would advise is that you look at ownership and see how that's going to peg itself out. Currently, it's pretty balanced with going the way you think. It's going to Rahm, it's going to Thomas, and then it's going to Cantley and Matsuyama with Cantley being the least. Now enter Victor Hovland. All right, he's going to get a lot of praise for what he recently did overseas. And if you weren't paying attention, he won the Dubai Desert Classic thanks to Rory's mishap. Um, I love the encouragement that Hovland's getting. He's such a young golfer, right? Uh, you know, he lives kind of in this West Coast desert area. He, he lives in Oklahoma and only 23 years old. So tons of upside. But I don't want to buy into chalk with a guy who has limited data at this specific course in this style of history, right? We know how course history plays here. We know the dramatic effects that knowing how to play this course plays on a player. Now, I'm not saying Victor Hovland is an elite because because we think of like Morikawa when he won the Open Championship last year. He never played that course, but he dominated, right? And that could very well happen. Problem is, I think that as more and more people talk up Hovland, that ownership's going to creep up higher and higher and higher to where he becomes the chalk play. Now, looking at similar style tournaments, and again, we have limited data sample sizes, he ranks 30th in my projections model for similar style tournaments. So that's something that has me curious. He's 12th in scoring model, 3rd in my approach model, 2nd off the tee. If you look at PJ stats from, from 2021, you know he ranks 7th overall in what I'm waiting. Looking here at 2022, you're you're really limited in data, so it, it's kind of hard to say what you want to do with Hovland, but you, you're just not getting enough, right? We don't know his strokes gained around the green. We know that green's in regulation. He ranks fifth in the field, second in terms of ball striking, but there's just too much missing here necessarily for, for us to trust Hovland here with the 2022 stats. But again, an elite play. The problem is, of course, though, course history, missed cut in 2020. Didn't play here in 2021. Haven't seen him on PGA Tour since the Century Tournament of Champions where he finished 30th, right? Um, I don't know. I, I, I'm i not going to buy Hovland here. I'm not going to buy Hovland. So 
We're going to go down to this 9K range. This is all the way from your top tier of Jordan Spieth, who's priced up because of last weekend, down to Bubba Watson. Jordan Spieth, I'm still going to keep fading him. Like, I grant it. You know, he was in a position to play him last weekend because he was kind of like min-priced ownership, like avoided. This week, I, I'm just not buying it. A volatile course history, to say the least, with, you know, two missed cuts, a fourth-place finish and a ninth-place finish. So he's probably going to be your perfect kind of like GPP play. I'm just wondering how last weekend's going to play into his ownership and if it's going to spike. Because you don't really get a leg up in advantage if you're going to play 15 16% Jordan Speed. It's just not going to help you. Guy I am interested though is Xander Shoffley. Shoffley comes in at 9,700, and I'm kind of curious if like as to why he isn't more popular. And part of me thinks is that people have just been burned by him too much, right? They're they're just kind of waiting for that Xander win, and they keep playing him, playing him, playing him, and never comes to fruition. So okay, I'm done with Xander. He's sub 10k. You don't need a win here to solidify your lineups in GPPs. He's got top five upside. He's got great course history. He ranks six in like my course history projections. I love Xander in this spot. I think he's somewhat of a sleeper at this point. You take advantage of that. Of course, then there's Brooks Kepka. You just don't know what Brooks is going to show up. You know, play him at your own risk. He's won here. He's missed cuts here. It's fun. Brooks is fun. I'd wait to bet him live to see what you're getting after that first round. But but Kepka is fun. Now we're going to go to Sam Burns and Berger. In my model, I I highlight them as orange. And I just think there's risk here, but I'm willing to buy into it. I think Burns' course history is going to lead to lower than expected ownership. But we're still looking at Sam Burns' double-digit ownership, if that makes sense. So that could blow up at any point. Um, the course history isn't kind. And to me, he's a GPP-only play. But we're looking at 2022 stats. Burns dominates the board in everything we're considering. He ranks number one in 2022. So limited data, limited sample sizes. I get that. And you may want to jump on board with that. But but come on. If you're getting Sam Burns at 12% ownership, 10% ownership, I'm going to jump on board with that. Now, Daniel Berger is kind of like the inverse of that. He's getting talked up a lot right now. We don't really have qualified stats, but if you look at his course history, it's like top 10 or bust, right? He's going to miss the cut or he's going to top 10. The problem is to think that's consistent. Like, yeah, it looks like a pattern, but it really isn't. It's just a random luck of the draw that those three tournaments, he golfed the way he did. Um, he is playing well this year, right? Three of three made cuts. Finished in 20th at the Farmers. Finished in 5th at the Century. 7th at the Hero. So, So that's nice to see. When you look at him in 2021, though, if we do those category stats and what we're weighing, Berger, he ranks number three. So there's tons of upside here for Daniel Berger if you think he's not going to like bomb your lineups. At 9,200, I'm willing to take a shot. This is not like a fade at all by any means, but it, I think it's a higher risk play and it's a good way to leverage your lineups if that ownership comes down. If his ownership stays up in this 20, 20% range, we got problems. We're in trouble. All right. Finishing out that 9K range, Scotty Scheffler, he's going to be popular. Everyone's going to look at him, play him, Texas boy, blah, 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 blah. But I want to go to Bubba Watson. He hasn't played in a while. In fact, he hasn't played this year. So he's a unique play with great course history. You buy. I think you buy at this point. Bubba's not coming here to warm up. 
And in fact, it's it's the environment where Bubba likes to play, right? You're, you're doing rollout shots. You are on the stadium course looking to nail and crush holes in ones and, and everything of that nature. On 16, you got the finishing hole at 17, 18, 19, or 16, 17, 18. 19 toll is a little bit different for, uh, for us guys. But 37th in my aggregate model, 40th in my overall stat model, right? It's like the, the the stats aren't gonna pop, but twenty second, third, fourth, fortieth in a miscut in the last four years. That's Bubba Watson. You look at twenty twenty one stat rankings. He's not popping. He's middle of the field, and that's after last year he finished twenty second. So, to me, it's kind of like you're damned if you do, damned if you don't, because it's one of those situations where you're gonna exhale if Bubba misses the cut and you faded him. Or you fade him and you're going to be pissed because he's got a top 20 finish and he's in all the top lineups. Because you're getting him, he's such a leverage spot, right? You're getting him at such a leverage position. All right, Tony Finau, 8,900. I thought he was going to be more popular after last year's second place finish. I thought he was going to be more popular because of how cheap he is. But I guess people are really riding this course history thing. They see the miscuts and the ownership's actually going down. So $8,900 Tony Finau, depending on what ownership's going to land, that's kind of where I'm going to land on him. If you sub 10%, you're getting sub 10% Tony Finau. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to buy into that. Um, but if you're getting over 10, over 15% where he's getting some kind of chalk associated with him, then not. Nah. I've talked about how he, how he splits his time between Utah and Arizona. Uh, he's not the only player, by the way, in the field to do so. He does play here a lot. So it's kind of curious as to why he doesn't have the success that we want to see. I think he's probably properly prepped for this tournament to where he will make the cut. I want to take advantage of that. I do have him at a top 10 percentage, about like, like 13%, and only a miscut percentage, about 25 26%. So that's pretty high. So I, I most definitely want to take advantage of that pending ownership i'm gonna wait on that and you know i almost definitely put it on twitter what i'm gonna do personally with tony fino um go down to louis Oosthuizen at 8800 the narrative you know he never wins um guess what they don't win until they do and looking at the pricing tier louis upside you know considering his price point where i think he's properly priced but he has the highest upside of anyone in this 8K range, you know, with Tony Finau and Louie and Fitz and Webb, Adam Scott, Power, Connors, Henley, and yada, yada, yada. I just think there's tons of upside and it's hard to ignore. Um, I know tons of other touts are going to talk him up. They're going to want to play him. And I think there's a validation to that. We look at his course history here. That's the other thing that's interesting, right? We, we have such gaps in times he played, but when he did play here, you know, we we got a third place finish in 2017 and then 11th place finish in 2021. You look at this year's stats in 2022 and he just fits the mold. He ranks in the top 10. So Louis at 8,800, he's super cheap, could easily burn you this weekend like he has in the past. Everybody, but there's so much upside, it's hard to ignore. Next guy I'm going to not play is Matt Fitzpatrick. Um, I said this last week and it kind of burned me, but the course is just too easy for Fitz in his game. He's not the massive scorer from weekend to weekend, and he's not the massive scorer over four rounds, and that causes me trepidation. And, and it's funny saying that the course is too easy, but Fitz's game, his style, isn't for these scoring tracks. Now, I think these stats are a little bit misleading, right? This tournament always hosts the best players in the world. 
So your averages are going to be high, right? In terms of scoring and everything like that. But if you put this in a normal field, I think this is a more difficult course. The problem is, is that there's so much competition here. And I don't think that fits, fits the bill here for me. All right. So this next range, this Webb Simpson, Adam Scott, Seamus Power, Corey Connors range is, is one of those golden goose type of moments. It's, it's like the golden gray zone. I like to call where if you get this wrong, you're you're just basically screwed, right? So there are so many unknowns with these guys, with these four especially. And people are immediately skipping over this crew because of that reason. And they're going straight down to Russell Henley, which is the easiest thing for anyone to do if you're looking at any model, course history, yada, yada, yada. With these four, you're lacking course history and or you have suspect course history. You're looking at poor recent form. So many things that are just up in the air with these four. All these guys, though, rank top 25 in my overall stat rankings. They rank top 25 in my aggregate rankings. Corey Connors isn't even priced worse than the most than most that are, you know, opened up at Vegas at 50 to one. So that's crazy to think about. Now, Adam Scott was the biggest issue because you just never know what you're going to get. Right, the putter could be hot, the putter could be cold, but in similar tournaments, his style just ranks third in my DK projections. That's something I'm not going to overlook. Corey Connors is coming off two brutal missed cuts, but he's won on tour before. He's had success in similar styles tournaments. He's had success here, right? He ranks 13th in my DraftKings projections. The problem is we have limited data. So it's hard to say what you're going to do with these guys. I already bet Corey Connors. I think it was a solid number. You've got to take it. You've got to take that upside. But, you know, we'll see moving forward. All these guys have won on tour before. Adam Scott, 14-time winner. Webb Simpson, 7-time winner. 1-time winner here. You've got to take advantage of it. I, I'm not going to say fade these guys or fade them at your own risk. I get the reason to fade power, right? People saw last weekend, saw them fall apart on Saturday and Sunday. But th- there's reasons for that. There's reasons for Seamus Power. He's never scored negative on Monterey Peninsula, but nobody knew that. God, I wish I could give the guy credit who did. He tweeted it out. Hmm. My bad, dude. My bad. You're you're awesome. I don't normally do this. I don't normally forget names, but it's like something. It's Matt something. Good work, man. If someone who ever listens to pod, that give him a shout out. Thanks. Appreciate that. All right. Next guy, Russell Henley, 8,200. He's going to be chalk. He's going to be popular. You just know it's happening. 20-some percent at least. Course history here, that though, is kind of volatile, right? Miscut or basically top 30. Um, you look at this year though, so far, he looks solid, especially with all the stats and categories that we're looking for. Um, one thing that causes me a little caution though, with Russell Henley, if he is going to be this highly owned, he doesn't do well typically on these style courses, right? He ranks 81st of my style projections. So he might end up becoming a fade for me because that ownership is just getting too high. And I'll go down to like Hogue or English or up to the four that I just mentioned that are in that gold zone. Now, Colton, uh, Tom Hogue is someone I want to talk about. We don't normally roster that guy who just won a tournament, but hearing everyone talk about Hogue, it doesn't seem like he's just going to rest on his laurels. And and like according to Jordan Spieth, he's just not going to back down because he just won. Um, I love that killer instinct that golfers are saying about him. Ownership's going to be massively down because they don't want to hear the narrative or they believe in the narrative that you can't win back-to-back tournaments. That's been proven false. We've seen it happen multiple times. And this tournament, by the way, has been won back-to-back. We've seen back-to-back tournament champions uh, at different tournaments. So don't say it's out of the realm of possibility. I think this is a 
big time chance to take advantage. Um, we're going to go to that 7K range. And like I said, this is always your moneymaker, always your bread and butter. What are you going to do here in this range? It's kind of curious, like selfishly, because I own the answer NFT in Golf Goons. I want him to win. I want him to do so well. Like I, I that that's me selfishly saying, but like from a stat wise projections, it, it's not looking good. Um, answer might be someone you don't want to touch this weekend. Billy Horschel, he's going to be someone that's popular, but he only finished top ten once. And other than that, he's been sitting in the, in the low forties and fifties in terms of positions. He's made cuts, so he might be more of a cash play option, but he's not going to be entering my GPPs. But enter HV three. He won the Saudi with a massive 90-foot eagle putt. But guess what? It's time to prove with the big boys, right? He's got mixed results here. Two top 15 finishes. He's got a mixed cut. But I want him to ride the momentum and the wave of good things coming out of HV3's camp. Look, he just had his kid. Just won a tournament. Sponsored by Jordan Brand. What, what else do you need if you're HV3 right now? You know what you need? You need a winner here at the at the waste management phoenix open that's what you need taylor gooch is getting love in fact gooch putnam and Merritt are all getting a decent amount of exposure from other shows i'm right now off the three of them this week i just don't see a strong fit in terms of course history and specifically for putnam and Merritt. there are players that are are Looking at last week's Pro-Am, and we see a top 10 finish. But those courses play so differently, right? They play so differently that it's hard to just jump on board with that. So with Merritt ownership, I know he's down in the low 7Ks, Putnam and Gooch. I'm really being cautious here, and I'm going to look at ownership and, and kind of just go from there. Um, but right now, I don't love those plays at all. Luke List has been very popular all year. Ownership's looking really high at the moment. So he's a guy with 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 volatile course history too in two missed cuts. But but one of my favorite plays, and I'm going back to him, is Ricky Fowler. Ricky will return to form at some point. Don't miss the boat. I'm going to keep playing him at tracks where I think he can have success, where he will succeed. And this course history here is impeccable. He's coming off a missed cut. So people are naturally going to fade him. They think his swing is still all jacked up. He's trying to figure things out. No, he just didn't fit that course. But Ricky here absolutely feels at home, feels comfortable, has a win here. I'm going back to Ricky Fowler. I'm going to double the field, triple the field. Right now he's below 5% in terms of ownership projections. I'm in. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. All right, so going back to Putnam. All right, we, we're, we're going to focus specifically on him after focusing on Gooch. Double-digit ownership. It's becoming apparent that people's models are driving a plethora of these plays like Putnam. And I'll say this. He's a GPP play if you're rostering. That's it. But, but even with a sixth-place finish last week, I'm not going to change my mind. I'm not in love with this play. He's never played well at these style tournaments. And even on this course, it's limited upside. So so we are not going to touch Putnam this weekend. Mitchell, Wu, Domin, eh, I'm not into it. I I know they're all past winners, but I do like Kuchar here. 
I think people are getting roped into the driving distance narrative and they're going to ignore like guys like Cooch who, who don't need the distance here and can master any course they play. Uh, but I'm going to play the old man in hopes that he continues to use his experience. It's going to benefit him, right? Like driving distance is a key component. It, it just isn't a key component to success here, but hitting fairways is, and, and Cooch is good at that. So, you know, with any guy who's at 7,400, there is some risk, but I'd rather play Kucher this weekend than, than some of the bombers that I see up that are higher priced. Russell Knox, I already gambled on him. I took him to win as a long shot. God, that would be great to come to fruition. But I like his upside here, and I like his upside in GPPs. He ranks 20th in my overall stat model, 31st in my aggregate model, and is an average finishing position of 26th place over the last five years. Now, he does have some missed cuts. And that's something we can deal with. We understand the risk we're taking. But I like Knox here. I like him at 7,300. He's properly priced. I want to take advantage. KH Lee is someone I love. I love. I don't know how many people are going to play him. He's never properly owned. He's he's always a first-round leader bet for me. Always. Thank you, Tommy. But miscut his first time here. Seventh place last year. He is great in 2022. His PGA stats are awesome especially for a guy who's 7300 where i rank him on my pj stats he ranks 24th in my model Lee is not a slouch like the stats might say so but i'm most definitely gonna be rostering him this weekend I, I think i just love the upside that KH Lee has he will be a first round leader bet absolutely for sure once those pops out on fanduel um i, I people are just a- fading him they're avoiding him but he's ranks 25th in my DraftKings projections for this course specifically. Limited data with Cage Lee. I get that. But he has a miscut and a seventh, and he still ranks 25th. That's pretty massive. Next guy I want to mention, another high-risk guy is Gary Woodland. He's only made two, two of six cuts this weekend or this year. But he's won here before, so he has the course history, and that was after the birth of his son and, and tragic loss of his daughter, the twins. Um, but I believe he's still working out some of those swing faults he developed last year from all his injuries. Like, he was pretty badly injured and and i know kenny kim talked about it three or four weeks ago or tweeted out or something like that where his injuries are something that he's still trying to overcome like he's past them but now he's got to get past the mental hurdles and the mental blocks but like like ricky fowler i'm gonna roster gary woodland here chucky three sticks no course history but he's got the tools here to succeed Next guy that I'm just I'm I'm not gonna eat is Aaron Wise Chalk. I'm never going to do it. Aaron Wise Chalk at 7100. I get the guys who want to play him for his upside, but no, thank you. Uh, Mito, I love Mito last week, so I'm most definitely gonna have to come back to him this week. I hate when I don't. Um, it always burns you right. You love a guy one week, he rocks your lineups because he misses a cut, but he's got the skill set just like you know three sticks does to succeed here. And then um, you know Carlos Ortiz. Another guy I have some interest in, but beyond that, in that 7K range, that's it. That that's kind of like what we're looking at here. So let's break down that final tier, that 6K range. And there's not a ton of guys I like here, but I do think there are guys that are maybe slightly mispriced. Um, Adam Hadwin, one of them. He's not missed a cut here, and is coming off a 15th place or a 16th place finish last week at the AT&T Pro Am. And it's not that like we're using the Pro Am as like a springboard to the event, but it it is like confidence right and the fact that Hadwin is comfortable in here coming off a top 20 finish here I want to take advantage of that um Chris Kirk Chris Kirk at 6900 as well he's probably going to get some popularity um is coming off two missed cuts so he's not in the best form but for in terms of like 2022 stats does rank in the top 40 in what we're waiting 
um, just to let you guys know, for 2022, we're waiting. Um, Sharks game part four, part five, birdie average, greens and regulation approach, ball striking, Sharks getting off the tee, Sharks getting tee to green. But um, where I like Kirk is when you look at his stats last year, hoping that he returns to form. He ranks 26th in the field looking at 2021. So Martin Laird, Laird is someone that, you know, you look at him, he's got pretty good course history here. Right, he missed the cut last year, but then 55th, 26th, 9th, and um, 7th before that. So there's plenty of upside for Martin Laird. Charlie Hoffman at 6,700. We've been riding him all year. Why would we stop now? Right? Why? Why would? Why? Because he he missed a cut. Right? Or we haven't seen him, so we we just think he can't play. Um, he missed the cut here, you know, last year, and and it's kind of unfortunate. Nate Lashley is going to be real popular. I would fade him if he's like double K chalk. But one of my favorite plays in in this range is sixty six hundred dollar Doug Kim. Doug Kim. I think he's talented enough, and I think this course is really tailored to him. Right? Uh, he's going to break your heart on Sunday. Like there, there's no getting around that. There's no getting around the fact that he's going to break your heart on Sunday. He's never played here before, but does have the skill set in similar tournaments. Right where he ranks in the top ten in my projections, the top ten in my projections in similar tournaments. So most definitely someone you want to take advantage of. Guys are going to talk about Fratelli. They're going to talk about Matt Wallace, Norlander. Like this whole group of sixty five hundred guys is is just going to be a juggle. You're you're going to have to look at stats, course history, um, correlations to similar courses. Look at other tournaments like Wyndham Clark. Right, thirty six, thirty fourth. The problem is you guys need that top twenty upside. So you need someone like Norlander's finish last year where it was twenty second. Uh, Brian Steele, I think there's some worry there, but again, he's a GPP only play, two missed cuts, but then two, three top 30 pit, uh, finishes, two of those being top 20. So there's that GPP upside. Um, Scott Stallings, he is mispriced when you look at his opening Vegas odds. That's something I noticed right away. He's 150 to one. The guys in this price point are basically looking at, you know, we, he should be up to 6,500. So you could potentially take advantage there. JT Poston hasn't missed a cut here, but this season really hasn't been kind. So I'm going to do a deeper dive on that. Probably fade him because he's been so off. Uh, Austin? No way, man. It's flavor of the month. James Hahn? Course history at 6,200. Couldn't play for a lot of guys, right? It's finishing position. It's what you need to be worried about. Like what many people see is a pattern, right? They see the pattern and the fact that like when he makes the cut here, it's like a guaranteed top fit, top 10 finish. But like we know it doesn't work that way, right? Missed cut 11th, 67th, 25th, 10th. I like James Hahn, but, but I don't know if I would like him that much to roster him and be that heavy on him. Preston Summerhays is getting some love um, on some shows. Guys that do their homework and study. He's Tony Finau's boy, Arizona State. He, he's not on the Corn Ferry Tour. He's not on the PGA Tour. He's an amateur that got invited to play here. Um, the risk with these guys is that once they make the cut, can they hit the pins on Thursday, on Saturday and Sunday? Um, I think if you bet him, you know, top 40, top 30 upside, absolutely for Summerhays, you probably get a great number on him. I don't know if he'll make my lineup. So some people are calling him a sleeper. I don't necessarily call him a sleeper because he it's highly unlikely he wins. 
and it's highly unlikely he top tens. If you want to put him in GPP lineups, that's fine, but make sure it's in the 20 max and it's one lineup or 150 max and limiting your exposure because the question you're asking yourself is, can he do it for four rounds? If you throw him into a single and he top fives, top tens, and you don't win that single entry, GPP, shame on you. That means you missed a cut somewhere else, but still. Um, Summer Hayes, he's an Arizona resident, Arizona State kid. He's currently playing there. Play him if you're interested. And then uh, last guy, Brian Gay. Yeah, we're going to go back to him. Sucked last week, which is fine, but who cares? We're going to go back to our guy, our boy, Brian Gay, whose course history here. Two missed cuts, but 55th, 9th, 47th. I think a lot of his game is does kind of fit here, but we'll see. We'll see. Probably won't end up necessarily coming back to him. But that's it. That's it. It's over. Let's take it home. Oh, you men are all alike. Seven or eight quick ones, and you're off with the boys to boast and brag. You better keep your mouth shut. Oh, I think I love him. That's it. It's over. It's all over. That is the breakdown of the Phoenix Open. Join us next week as we go to Riviera in the Genesis. Special shout out and thank you to Fanshare Sports. Thanks to Golf Goons and thanks to Prize Picks. Cash and smash, guys. See you at the top of the leaderboard on Sunday. Peace.